today on CityCast Chicago. Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker outlined his 2022 budget for the state yesterday. I'm going to get you all caught up on that. Now, Pritzker's budget will likely pass, but back in 2015, that was not the case. The state didn't have a budget for two years because leaders in Springfield could not come to a deal. We talk about one of the many critical consequences of that budget impasse. It's Thursday, February 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. With a re-election bid in full swing, Governor Pritzker hoped to paint the picture of a healthier, safer, and more financially sound Illinois as he outlined his $45 billion budget for next year. He focused a ton on Illinois' positive rankings, like regional vaccination rates. A larger percentage of Illinoisans have been vaccinated than in any other Midwestern state. Our state has led with equity and with the highest regional vaccination rates for our black and brown residents. We are the leader in vaccinating kids 5 to 17 years old. Also, infrastructure grades, improving credit, and spent less time outlining the enormity of the challenges the state faces. And you can't talk Illinois budget without talking about the spaceship slash architectural masterpiece. It really depends on who you ask. Then there's the James R. Thompson Center, the least efficient building owned by our state. It's home to a major CTA hub, state workers' offices, and a very storied food court. It's also been super run down, and there have been multiple calls for years to tear it down. A private buyer now has offered to purchase it by assuming several hundred million dollars in liabilities and paying the state $70 million in cash. Altogether, the net savings for state taxpayers approaches three quarters of a billion dollars. Governor Pritzker played both sides of the public safety conversation. For people who want more money for police, he promised a record number of state troopers, more money for body cams, more technicians, new crime labs. And for people who call for more spending on violence prevention and youth employment, he promised to raise funding from $517 million to $832 million. Illinois is awarding grants to organizations that implement data-driven, community-driven violence prevention efforts. This budget proposal advances our $250 million multi-year investment in crime prevention in the reimagined Public Safety Act. From the time I became governor until this current fiscal year, we more than doubled the funding for violence interruption, diversion, and youth employment programs to $517 million. I'm proposing we increase that appropriation to $832 million. And as an additional relief for police departments, this budget provides greater funding for police body cameras. He continued his good news budget as Crane Chicago Business called it with his Illinois Family Relief Plan, where he wants to freeze a grocery and gas tax and offer property tax rebates. Now, some critics on both sides of the aisle call these fancy numbers, but the governor promises they're real relief for Illinois families. Pritzker threw shade at his predecessor a few times in his speech. That's Republican Bruce Rauner, who was in office from 2015 to 2019. When Rauner became governor back in 2015, he vowed to take on then-Speaker Michael Madigan and his powerful Democratic machine. 
And Rauner made that message clear when he refused to sign a budget pushed by Democrats saying it would raise taxes and continue to give unions too much power. My pledge to the governor is very simple. I will work with him professionally and cooperatively. Neat Speaker Madigan and the supermajority, I believe they wanted to create a crisis. The governor says much of state government, 10 days shy of one full year without a budget, will virtually shut down without special... New at 5 tonight, cuts to a program for at-risk children. The state... We are entering an absolute crisis phase. We absolutely are. And it's tragic. Finally, after two years of political back and forth and a stalemate, the governor signed a budget in 2017. Eight lawmakers passing Illinois' first budget in more than two years, and that means an immediate steep tax increase for you. We had two bad options, raise taxes, didn't want to do that, or let the state financially melt down, a worse choice. So I put the state on the financial brink. It brings to an end more than two years worth of partisan battles, and it took a bipartisan effort to override the governor's vetoes by the narrowest of margins. But the cuts to state-funded programs and social services had an impact on real people. New research has linked those cuts to a spike in youth homicides. Marianne Mason from Northwestern University led the study and talked to producer Simone Alisea. What kind of programs were losing out on funding as a result of this impasse? Things like after school programming, uh, youth recreational sports leagues, um, counseling, social service support, mental health services. Some organizations held out and were able to find other means or take loans, but eventually those dried up too, and then the services came to a hard stop. In the middle of all this, in 2016, Chicago saw a big spike in homicides, especially youth homicides. Can you give us the numbers on that? So from 2015 to 2016, we're talking about basically it's a 77% increase. Wow in um, homicides and homicide rate, particularly concentrated among youth, 15 to uh, 24. If you were to look at like a, a line chart of this, you would see 2015 and a sharp spike up in 2016, almost vertical. Wow. Yeah. And, and who, who was dying during this time? Who were the kids who were suffering the most? Black men, young men and boys between the ages of 15 and 24 were disproportionately affected by this. So in Chicago, that's always the group that is disproportionately affected by homicide. But what this is, is a deepening of risk. What do you remember about how people were talking about this spike in homicides in 2016? You know, when you deal with data every day and you see something that dramatic, your first thought is something's wrong with my data, hmm. especially when it happens practically overnight. All kinds of theories came out of the woodwork about what was driving it. There was a, a study that got a lot of traction, a couple of, I think it was law professors in Utah, which essentially said that this spike had everything to do with the consent decree with the Chicago Police Department, which required that they pause, stop, and frisk. The study authors put forward the idea that this spike was directly related to the pause and stop and frisk. 
Police have long insisted that the street stops they make are essential crime-fighting tools and that they are constitutionally valid, while people on the receiving end have long contended that stop and frisk is a rights violator. How would the federal agreement to, to reform the police department and the pause and stop and frisk policy, how would that relate to youth homicides? I think the belief is that they weren't catching people uh, pre-use of guns, so there were more people walking around unfettered with weapons. So the idea being that more people with weapons are just walking around because the police aren't stopping them. Yeah, essentially. But there's one big flaw with this. The interesting thing about the spike in 2016 is that it was followed in the second half of 2017 by a huge decrease. And we know that stop and frisk pause hadn't changed. So it doesn't become a viable explanation anymore when you have a rapid decline We'll be right back. So how were you able to connect the rise in youth homicides with the state's budget problems? Well, we didn't start with the theory that the budget was related to this or associated. Oh, really? No. Mm -mm. We, like many people, were um, mystified and wanted to kind of look at the environment of what was going on that might impact youth in Chicago. So we mapped things like when Chicago public schools closed the 50 schools. We looked at graduation rates. We sort of looked at Laquan McDonald. There were some theories that there was a police pullback after that, but that didn't track. The only thing that really mapped was the start of the budget impasse and the lift of the budget impasse. That mapped almost perfectly to the rise in decline in youth homicide. I know your focus is is sort of on the data and the statistics, but can you kind of explain how does losing a program or or a set of programs end up leading to a kid dying, a kid being shot or 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 violence happening on the ground? Some of the things that contribute to risk for violence and violence victimization have to do with stress, whether it's poverty, hunger, homelessness, those sorts of things, but also stress about living in communities where violence is high. And then we also know a very strong indicator for preventing youth victimization is pro-social attachments, right? Positive things that people can do. So things like sports, attachment to family, attachment to school. So when things that support things like sports and attachment to school go away, we know that risk for violence victimization goes up. So what can city and state leaders take away from this research? We have to start looking at how the state spends its money as uh, contributing to or not contributing to violence prevention. I mean, is that not something that's already being talked about? I don't believe it is. States are trying to cut budgets in the face of Mm. rising violence. 
I don't see it as part of the general rhetoric these days. I do see signs that that may be changing in Illinois. Um, there is a new violence task force at the state level. So there is recognition that, you know, we're sort of all in this together and we're not going to let Chicago deal with it on its own. And in particular, that violence is a problem in areas of Illinois outside of Chicago. There are places in in Illinois that have higher homicide rates than Chicago. So that's going to be really interesting, especially with Governor Pritzker up for re-election. The issue of violence has sort of is sort of a, a something that I think Republican opponents are are going to hit on. And there's been sort of some speculation that because of that, Pritzker might try to return to more of a like a tough on crime approach as opposed to focusing on services, for example. You know, I think this is a really interesting time for the study to come out because if you look at 2020, we're at an unprecedented spike in homicides in Chicago. And what do these two spikes have in common in some way, in a broader way? What we've lost are opportunities for people to connect. So COVID put us at a disadvantage in terms of gathering people together to support them and create uh, social supports. The way the budget impasse interrupted our ability to provide social supports and connectivity. To be honest, there's there's a part of me when I was reading this that felt this was kind of obvious. We kind of know, right, if you spend money on kids, these kids are more likely to be safe. This, If this is a message we've heard before, how do we know that we're going to actually take it to heart this time, you know? Well, we don't know that, but I remain hopeful because every time we continue to connect the dots, more people can see the picture. There's a long history of showing that if we spend, you know, a dollar in preschool education, we get seven back in terms of productivity over the lifetime or whatever. I think even though we're not the first and we won't be the last to make this connection, uh, the more ways we can do it, the, uh, the stronger the tide will become. I'm, I'm convinced. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Earlier this week on the pod, we talked about dibs. Remember, Ryan, you know, you're with it, you hate it. Well, Alderman Ray Lopez on the Southwest side has made his opinion very clear on Twitter. He is throwing away all dibs item he sees in the 15th Ward. So go on, get your tables and your chairs for they end up in the trash can. The Winter Olympics begins today in Beijing. NBC Sports Chicago and Axio Chicago have great rundowns on all the Chicago area athletes and their schedules. I'm going to drop a link for you below. And some good news to get you through. For the seventh year in a row, Black Restaurant Week kicks off Sunday. 32 participating restaurants will be offering specials for the next two weeks. See the full list below. You know I'm about to go crazy remember you can subscribe to the daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter to read some love stories from the citycast crew and some from our readers and listeners you can even submit yours all the details in the newsletter thanks for listening i'll talk to you tomorrow peace 
smooth as consistency, continuity.